themselves these days in various ways, which is, you know, the way of the world forever. This, this awareness of real concern for people with whom we have to do was something that mattered, that showed the, the quality of this man, the quality of the person that he was. He had great concern. And he also understood God's mercy on his life. Paul talks about the fact that, you know, if, if he, he, he was nearly dying and God rescued him. Uh, and so Epaphroditus didn't die. He knew God's mercy. And that, that mercy was also shown to Paul because Paul was very upset about the whole thing as well. This shows that underlining all of the different things about Epaphroditus we've been looking at was a very, very deep and profound relationship with God in Jesus Christ. That's where the strength of this man actually lay in the simple fact that his life had been transformed by meeting Jesus. And in that transformation, all of the good things that were about him as a person were enhanced, if you like, because of what Jesus was doing in him. That's why he could travel from Philippi to Rome with all the dangers that involved and do it. That's why he could be so passionate about helping his people back at home because they were worried about him. Because he'd first met Jesus and knew the passionate love that Christ has for those who are just willing to throw themselves into his care and onto him. He was someone who really, really did know what God's mercy was about. We've been singing some songs which have illustrated a lot of that, you know. And it's just worth thinking about sometimes, isn't it? Just how profound is my own relationship with Jesus? How's it going? It's worth checking that every now and again. You know, not, not out of any sense of, of, of worry or anxiety, but out of a sense of just wanting to grow more in the knowledge and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then this other thing. Epaphroditus was a risk taker. He risked his life for Paul. Even, even well, it really was a risk of his life. He was selfless in what he did. Some of the commentators just point out something else about this, that apparently in games of dice in the ancient world, the highest number you could get was called an Epaphroditus. This was a guy who, who not only his name was about risk, but he was willing to take risks. He was willing to, to go that extra mile. He was willing to, uh, to be the one who would step out first in some plan of action or what have you. It's been well said, uh, I think it was John Wimber who actually said it, that faith is spelt R-I-S-K. And very often that is the case. That when we try to act in faith, there's a risk element in it. There always is. Otherwise it wouldn't be faith, would it? If there wasn't the possibility of flat and falling flat on our faces, it wouldn't be faith. There's risk. And a risk taker is a faithful person. That's what's going on here in Epaphroditus. This is what Paul sees in this man, this person embedded in Jesus Christ, willing to risk his life for Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, welcome him. <laughs> welcome him back because there was this bit of worry, you know, that they, they might have thought he wasn't really doing what he should have done. Welcome him. People like this need to be welcomed. Rejoice with him, he also says. You know, I don't think the British are very good at this sometimes. Have you ever noticed that? Um, 
I had a, I grew up uh, in, in sort of Dagenham, part of East London, really. My dad was a, an East Londoner, Cockney, all that sort of stuff. I had an aunt who was Greek uh, because my uncle had married her during the war, you know, and so on. And one day, her brothers came over to visit, apparently. I didn't witness this, but I've been told about this. And there was my dad and, and my uncle and, and my aunt's brothers came into the room and they said, you are our brothers, rushed up to them and hugged them and kissed them. Now, really, in the East End, that would normally get you, you know, laid out flat on the floor. <laughs> apparently, both my dad and my uncle managed not to do that. That was rather good. But I think it was a bit embarrassing to them. But the point is this. That's not, that's not quite how we do it, in a way, is it? But just sometimes maybe we should do it a bit more. I don't mean someone rushing up and hugging and kissing people. Someone in Spain's in trouble over that, not surprisingly. <laughs> but... But having that sense of joy in people, having that sense that being present here, now, just look around. Go on, do it. Look around. These are lovely people, aren't they? Aren't they? These are people who love God, who love you, who have got all sorts of gifts and skills amongst them, many of which they keep hidden, you know, but nevertheless get invited to a meal and you find out that's usually where the hidden skills are and people's cooking. Wonderful. Anyway, I won't go into that. But rejoice with people. Really be glad that they're there, that they're and you're here with them. Because that really, really matters in terms of these unsung heroes to encourage them and so on. A little while ago, um, I had an email from a minister, well, actually a little while, it was several years ago now, uh, for a minister in America, Baptist minister, um, and he'd been preaching uh, uh, in his church about sharing the good news, the gospel, and he'd said to his people, now, who was the first person who told you the gospel? And what I want you to do, the first person who told you, I want you to contact them and thank them and rejoice with them. So that's what he told his congregation. And then he went away and thought, oh, I'd better do that. So he scratched around in his head to try and remember who it was who first told him the gospel. And that's why he wrote to me, because it was me. He had been a cadet in the Air Training Corps in Chippenham when I was their chaplain. The last time I saw him was at the end of the, uh, of the, of the Falklands War. He'd been in the army during that and he'd come back. But somehow, the gospel had taken root and it led him to end up, well, actually did all sorts of things, but he ended up as a minister in, in America. Now, I can tell you, when I heard that, and I'm telling you this not just so it makes me look good because I actually told someone the gospel once, you know, it was only once, who knows. It made me really glad. I was over the moon about that. It's that sort of thing that, if you're a minister, makes it all worthwhile. When you discover things have happened that you didn't know about, that you didn't engineer, that you were just doing what God wanted you to do as far as ever you could know, and it actually worked, and someone's life came alive. What I want you to do now is just think about people you know who are like Epaphroditus. Think about the picture we've had of him. Think of someone like that yourself, all right? Think now 
You need to welcome that person, rejoice with that person, encourage that person, all right? And we'll say a bit more about that just as we finish. But this picture, does it, does it give you a picture of, of anyone else? I think this is the encouraging bit. Is there anyone else that you can think of who's really like that? Especially like that? Well, I hope you're getting to the point where you're going to say, well, this is a picture of Jesus. This is what he was like. He came in love. He came taking risks. Can you imagine a bigger risk than the incarnation? Goodness me. All that that might mean. I'm not going to preach on that. I'll take you forever and a day now if I try that. But in some ways, the great thing about Epaphroditus is he exemplifies Jesus. He shows us what Jesus is like and reminds us that if we want to be Epaphroditus, we need to be rooted really firmly in Jesus. Really firmly. Because what happens... What happened with Epaphroditus was just drawing strength from his relationship with Christ. Just following his Lord and knowing that his Lord was with him and would help him and would keep him. It's always worth checking where we are with Jesus, really. So I ask you to do that. You know, not now, but to think about that. Not, as I said, not to make it a matter of anxiety, but just maybe a matter of saying, I do want to carry on. <laughs> If I'm feeling a bit weary, I do want to commit again to this particular project. I do want to open my heart to the way the Spirit might lead me. That's what's called for, what we are called to be. We're called to love well. We're called to be merciful. We're called to take risks. We're called to be handsome. <laughs> handsome like Epaphroditus was. And we can do that. But I just want us to, I want to finish by doing something with you. Um, because, uh, yes, would you like to, part? I want you to take one of these. It's a, they're just simple wooden crosses. I want to take it because I am very aware that what happens in a lot of sermons is preachers stand up here and they say, do this, do that, do the other, and then they sit down. And they don't tell you any way in which you can do this, do that, or do the other. So I'm going, to, I'm going to hope to do that. This is really just meant to be a reminder to you. I want you to, in a moment, I'm just going to go through the passage again, slowly. And I want you to think, reflect on who is it that God's putting on your heart, okay, that you can encourage. And just, just use this little physical thing as a reminder. Attach the name to this, all right? So that when you next bring it out, you'll remember all right? You'll remember, this is the person I was going to say something to. This is the person I want to encourage. This is the person I want to show some love for. It's just a reminder. But hopefully one, you put it in your pocket, put it in your wallet, whatever, that will just do that reminding that we all need at times to pray for people, to thank people, to encourage people, to be a bit more like Epaphroditus ourselves. Okay? Does that seem all right? Well, if it isn't tough, because I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, there are different ways of reading the Bible. You can read it for information. 
But you can also read it to let God speak clearly to you through it, personally. And that's what I want us to do as I read this passage. I want you to think, what leaps out at this that speaks to you of someone you know? What comes out of this that's a description of someone you know? And then attach that name and be caring and so on for them, all right? So just, just all I want you to do is just, we're going to be quiet and still and simply listen. I'm going to read it twice, okay? And I'll be a bit slower the second time, just to give us all the opportunity to let God be the one prompting us. That's the point, to let God prompt us. So Lord Jesus, please, by your spirit, put on our minds and hearts the people we need to welcome and rejoice with and encourage and be glad with. So Paul says, but I think it's necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And then just once more... What name or names, I don't mind, come to you as we read this. But I think it is necessary to send back to Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, had almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also upon me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. Welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. And just in the quiet, pray for that person or persons. Pray God's blessing, help, encouragement, joy into them.